Canty and Carlin. Sure, Deshaun Watson suspended six games, but is it going to stay at six games? The NFL has got three days to decide whether or not they are going to appeal that. The appeals process goes to Roger Goodell, who would make the decision, or he can appoint somebody else to make the decision on that appeal. It's completely a very, very convoluted situation in which the league still has a lot of the say as to what happens. But as we talked to Adam Schefter last hour, the the feeling is that the league is not happy with Watson only getting six games. It's Chris Carlin uh, and Nick Verdell in for Chris Canty today on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. And, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about at all in the first hour is just how this now affects the Browns on the field moving forward. They're, the Browns are a very good team. Had this been a situation, Nick, where we were talking about eight games or even a season, I would have been surprised if the Browns at that point didn't go try to chase down Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. and especially because I do think he'll end up getting cut here and not traded. But at six games... I think this is a weather the storm situation. I don't think they feel like they're going to be punting on the season if they get Jacoby Brissett uh, the first six games of the year. You can make your way through a stretch of six games, Chris. If you're losing, you pick up a couple games and you turn things around and you say, hey, just hang on, hang on till Watson comes back. The question to me is, will they be able to weather that storm and then – believe that Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played in a couple of years, will be able to hit the ground running the way we're used to seeing. And only time will tell on that. But that's the intriguing piece if you're a Cleveland fan and you're somebody in the organization is what kind of player are you getting in Deshaun Watson now, assuming the six weeks holds up and he comes back in week seven? And think about that for a second. You're not just coming back from not playing at a year and a half. But you're also coming back and playing with guys that you've never played with before. Absolutely. So you're getting snaps right now, and I would imagine that they'll get him some time in a preseason game uh, at the very least. But trying to build those relationships and build the, build that understanding with receivers and with linemen and everybody on that offense, this is not something that comes overnight. If I'm the Browns, while I'm not punting on the season, I do have to temper my expectations for what it's going to be when he gets back. That, to me, is almost more important than worrying about those first six games of the year. Chris, I, I'm coming at this from an NBA perspective, and I lived it in watching and covering the Nets the last six, seven months. The biggest issue you saw with Kyrie Irving first not being there, then being a part-time player, then by the end of the season – when the vaccination mandate got rolled back and he was playing, that team had no cohesion. You weren't sure night to night who would show up because they weren't used to playing with him no matter how many reps he got in practice with guys who weren't seeing the floor that much. So when you look at what's got to happen now with Deshaun Watson, in those last three weeks when he gets to practice a little more and he's going to get the big reps You've got to think that he can develop some kind of chemistry, but this is where all the offseason work that you put in has to really shine through. And for a guy who doesn't know Stefanski's system real well and doesn't know the group of guys that he's coming in to play with, that's not something that's microwavable that you feel like can 
snap yeah. your fingers and, and make the difference immediately. Yeah, and, and I think if you do, if you're a Browns fan right now, you have those are the people who, to me who have to temper the expectations about what this is. This is not walk back on the field against the Ravens at the end of October and all of a sudden you've got it all figured out. I mean, think about this for a second. They are going to go. This is not an easy stretch to begin with. First of all, three of Watson's first four and five of his first seven are on the road. He opens at Baltimore, then Cincinnati at home, then and that's in a primetime game. That's a Monday night football game. Then a bye week. You go to Miami. You go to Buffalo. You get Tampa Bay at home. Then you get a little break. You go to Houston. And then at Cincinnati, I mean, that, and even closing out the season, it's Baltimore, New Orleans, at Washington, at Pittsburgh. That is, you better be in pretty good shape for your season when you get to the point when Watson comes back. Chris, you cannot completely blow up your season, you wouldn't think, in the first six weeks. But if you don't fare well early on, right. and then you compound it with, ah, well, we don't really know each other that well, and Deshaun's got to come back and find some kind of rhythm. Then your season can end and, and soon look, thereafter. And look at the beginning of their season to that point. At Carolina, the Jets, Pittsburgh at home, which they're going to have a new quarterback one way or the other, at Atlanta, and then uh, Chargers, Patriots after that. But those first, I mean, you could, in theory, you almost need to start a minimum of 3-1 and one, if not 4-0 and oh, if you're going to have any hope for the season, and you're going to be doing that with Jacoby Brissett. That's asking a lot. That's asking a whole hell of a lot. Anybody who's seen Jacoby Brissett through the years can tell you, all right, he's a nice bridge for a week or two if somebody got hurt. Yeah. For six weeks, and that's why I don't think the the Garoppolo talk suddenly dies down now because of the the suspension being uh, being clear at the moment. But I don't know if you're Cleveland and you have Super Bowl aspirations, Chris, if you can believe that – not only is Jacoby Brissett going to be the bridge you need for a month and a half, but then, as we're saying, Deshaun Watson comes back and everything just falls back to normal. I think you have to plan for a gap where you think that the team has to come together because this is a team that hasn't been together before with him as the leader. Here's Dan Orlowski this morning from Keyshawn J. Will and Max ESPN NFL analyst on the Browns and their prospects for this year. Initially, Ari, I'm like, dude, ain't no way this team can contend for the playoffs, right? Because that's a third of the season without a player like Deshaun Watson. They play in the toughest division of football, or certainly one of them, and a conference that's loaded. But then I go back to last year, and I think there's two teams in the championship games, both the Chiefs and the 49ers, that started the season 3-3. Three and three. And so, while my football mind goes, their season, it's going be tough for them to be in the playoffs you know we've got the examples of last year so I just think for the clarity of the organization coaches and players it's got to be nice for them to know this is where we stand as a football team and this is where we're going to be going forward well we'll find out here in a couple of days to be sure that that's what it's going to be but you, you better have a good a very good start to the year. You better have a very good start to the year if you feel like you can do that when you look at what that schedule looks like. It's Carlin and Canty on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Nick Friedle in for Canty today in just moments. We're going to talk to Patrick Ewing, the legendary Nick, the 11-time NBA All-Star and the head coach at Georgetown on the influence of the great Bill Russell on his career and on society in just moments on ESPN Radio. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin. Basketball Hall of Famer Bill Russell died today. Someone who is just beyond description. Nobody won as much as Bill Russell. Didn't cower to anyone, and he played life by his rules. I don't think the majority of people in this world today really understand all the things that he and his family went through and what he went through as a basketball player. Bill Russell, basketball player, coach, GM, author, broadcaster, and social activist, was 88 years old. Sad news yesterday to find out of the passing of Bill Russell, an NBA legend, and uh, just so important on so many fronts, socially and uh, in the game itself. Chris Carlin, Nick Friedel, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Nick here for Chris today. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. In just moments, we're scheduled to be joined by Patrick Ewing, legendary center, 11-time All-Star and Hall of Famer, on his thoughts on the passing of Bill Russell, but when I I just think of Bill Russell, the word that immediately comes to mind is pure winner. He's, he's winner in every way, and probably the greatest winner that we have ever known in professional sports. And I thought Greeny really kind of summed it up very nicely this morning on Get Up when he pointed out when you take the last two years where he was at uh, San, at the University of San Francisco, they're fifty seven and one. And then he wins a gold medal. So you got two NCAA championships, a gold medal, and then a stretch where the Celtics won eight titles in a row and eleven overall. I'd put that up against anybody. Like I don't, I don't know that there's another professional athlete could that could ever match that. Chris, my dad grew up right outside Boston, and he followed the Celtics closely and. He always said when Bill Russell was on the floor, you knew they were going to find a way to win. And as I've now covered the league for the last 15 years or so, the coolest part to me, not only in learning more about Bill Russell's story and all the different things he did aside from just a player for the Celtics, is the reverence with which the players in today's game and the era before them would give to Bill Russell when he'd show up at the arena, or or you'd see him at an award show, or we saw the that clip that's been posted a, a million times in the last twenty four hours of him flicking off, you know, Charles Barkley <laughs> and Matumbo. Everybody seemed to love him not only for what he did and his ability to win all the time, but for what he represented to so many people 
through so many years. And, and this is – his story is one of the most complicated that there is. When you factor in what he was doing socially, never afraid to speak his mind in any way, and the town in which he was playing. Because certainly Boston – and listen, there are plenty of areas in this country that it took a long time to really develop socially – and at the same time, um, Bill Russell is in that town, and his home was vandalized. I mean, the, the people didn't want him there. It's it's remarkable to think about all of that. And we'll get back to more of our thoughts on it in a bit. But right now, I want to welcome in the legendary Patrick Ewing, head coach at Georgetown. Of course, Hall of Famer as well. Patrick, it's Chris Carlin and Nick Friedell on ESPN Radio. We appreciate the few minutes that you can give us on the passing of Bill Russell. And I guess just right away, the first question I'd ask is when I mentioned the words Bill Russell to you, what are the things that come to mind right away? His greatness. The fact that when you talk about championships, uh, you know, he has 11. No one, no other athlete, I think, has come close. I know Michael has six. I'm not sure if anyone else has has more than that, but just this, you know, and not only his his work on the court, but also off the court, the things that he stood for as a as a as a black man, um, you know, fighting for for uh, you know fighting discrimination, you know, but all of those things um, is what come to mind when I think about uh, Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell. Patrick, in all the years that you and Bill crossed paths, what's your favorite story that you remember about him? Um, you know, I just remember, I remember this well. When I first moved here from Jamaica, uh, my my grade school coach my, and my grade school health teacher who also came, became my, high, my grade school coach, Steve Jenkins would tell me all the stories about the great Boston Celtics uh, and Bill Russell in his era. And then having the opportunity to meet him, you know, Coach Thompson uh, brought him here, brought him to a practice and just sitting down and talking to him, just talking to him about the art of blocking shots, the art of winning, the uh, the mind the, the mind war that goes on that he, he, he waged, you know, to, to be that dominant and, just sitting there and, and learning and hearing all these stories from him and hearing it from others about him, it was just, it was, I was honored to, to meet him. And then, you know, going to school here with his daughter. His daughter went to school here with me at Georgetown. So, um, you know, I, I feel blessed to have known him, and I'll be, I'll, I feel blessed to have been, uh, you know, in the same room with him. And, you know, all the great things that he's done uh, in his life, um, you know, and he's still, there's still, uh, you know, he's on the other side now and, uh, you know, looking down at us from Evan, both he and Coach Thompson laughing and joking and, you know, and wishing all, all of us back here nothing but success. Patrick Ewing, the legendary Nick Hall of Famer, head coach at Georgetown, with us right now, remembering Bill Russell, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Patrick, when you think about the influence that he had off the court, uh, you mentioned as a black man in particular and what he meant socially. 
what were the things that kind of stuck out to you about how he was able to carry himself and have that kind of impact with the platform that he had? Well, you know, you look at that 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 familiar picture of him, both he, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, uh, Kareem, uh, that summit that they had to, uh, I think it was to to, to get Kareem to uh, to, to uh, I, I don't remember the, the the gist of it, but I just remember seeing that picture and all the things that he fought and and talked about in his life. I mean, when I when I was on waiting, waiting for you to come on, I heard you talking about the story about them burning the cross in his in his backyard and in his, his front yard, and you know that people didn't you know, support him uh, back there in, in Boston and just all those things that he fought for, you know, the rights for people like myself, all the things that he fought for, you know, has helped, you know, uh, I guess he passed the torch to, to uh, you know, to our generation. It's helped our generation to be successful. Patrick, to your point, there's so many different layers to Bill Russell's legacy. What do you think the most lasting one is for players like yourself who came after him. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. I just think that everything that he's done, you know, the social stuff that he fought for, uh, you know, everyone is trying to reach that, you know, unreachable star of winning 11 championships, uh, the way that he carried himself. Um, I just think all of those things that, you know, define Bill Russell, the man. And, you know, we, you know, my mom, my mom used to always say, you shoot for the moon. If you fall, star, fall short, you'll be amongst the stars. Well, everybody's shooting to to try to, you know, catch up to him. So, you know, it, you you shoot for the moon, but when you fall short, you'll be amongst the stars. So, you know, just all the things that he's done and everything that he's done has helped to to pave the way for people for people like me and the people who are playing in this in this era. Patrick, you mentioned when he came to Georgetown when Coach Thompson brought him in. Do you still remember some of the specific? you know, on-court lessons that he taught you, any particular moves he taught you, shot blocking, all that kind of stuff, and also the mental part of it. Uh, you know, I read somewhere today about um, when he would basically stand and not when he was getting introduced, would not even kind of come out, didn't want the other team seeing him smiling or doing anything leading into the game. Do, do you remember what specific things that he kind of uh, imparted upon you in those days? 
Um, you know, I just remember it like I just said before, you know, the art of blocking shots, how you block shots and, you know, try not to, you know, block it out of bounds, block it so that you, you can, you know, get it and, you know, start a, far, a fast break for your team. Also, you used to always talk about the, the wars he had with Wilt. You know, he's like, Wilt was the most dominant person that he's ever faced. And, you know, to play, to, to, to do well against Wilt, the mind games that he had to play, not only with himself, but also with Wilt. Um, but just those, um, those stories, you know, I thought that his stories helped me to be successful here in college. You know, I try to be uh, just like him because I grew up in Boston and that's, you know, that's where he did all his work. And, you know, to win 11 championships, to block all those shots that he blocked, I, I wanted to be just like him. And, and last one, Patrick. Um, you know, I don't know where you guys are in the calendar, where guys are around or not right now, but if if you had your team or if you do have your team today and they're asking you about him, what are you telling them? He's a, he's a great person to emulate um, on and off the floor in terms of his work ethic, in terms of his pedigree, in term you know, in terms of winning championships, and the fight the, to to use your platform to fight for social justice, to uh, fight for your rights. Patrick, can't thank you enough for the time today, and we appreciate you helping us remember the great Bill Russell. Thanks again. It's my pleasure, Patrick Ewing, head coach at Georgetown Basketball Hall of Famer. And just remembering the impact that Bill Russell had, I can't imagine being a kid on a team at Georgetown and Bill Russell walks through the door and you're Patrick Ewing and you're trying, and you're already one of the dominant forces in the country. When you walk in the door to Georgetown, there aren't many people that you would meet that are ever better than you uh, on the court. Like what that must be like. And it must've just been awesome. Chris, you've got John Thompson saying, Hey, here's my friend, Bill Russell. <laughs> Let's learn some more about basketball. I, I, that that must have been very, very cool. And you can tell in Patrick retelling the stories how much it meant to him. Awesome stuff from Patrick Ewing, the Hall of Famer. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance, Chris Carlin, Nick Friedel in today for Canty. In moments more on the ruling on Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension. So how should the Browns handle this at the beginning of the year and how do they get him ready for the season once he can play come week seven? We will discuss with RGM in moments on ESPN Radio. Deshaun Watson has been suspended six games for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. Continuing coverage all day. More next on ESPN Radio. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Canty and Carlin. Trades happening in advance of the trade deadline tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yankees just made a trade and got Frankie Montas, starter from the A's, uh, in exchange for a couple of their top prospects, none of whom is uh, a shortstop in Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza, but they did give up one of their 
best pitching prospects in in guy named Ken Waldachuk. It's Chris Carlin and Nick Friedel in on Carlin and Can- Canty and Carlin, I should say, on ESPN Radio. I better get that right. He's coming on at 5 o'clock Eastern. If I mess up the order, he's certainly not going to be too pleased with me at this point. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Kevin Stefanski is the head coach of the Browns, and he is meeting the media as we speak and talking about Deshaun Watson's uh, reaction here. Meanwhile, Our own GM, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN front office insider, uh, is set to join us and joins us right now on ESPN Radio. Mike, it's Chris Carlin, Nick Friedel. Appreciate it on a busy day. And uh, just right out of the gate, uh, Mike, what was your reaction to the six-game suspension uh, once you heard about the news? Uh, I thought the ruling was lenient, considering that there was 24 women who – you know, alleged some very significant wrongdoing by Deshaun Watson. And when you read the appeals, the disciplinary officer, Judge Robinson's, um, when you read her opinion, she clearly finds some wrongdoing for Deshaun Watson. And when you consider the length of time that this went on for, I thought six games was uh, candidly a little surprised when you read her opinion. Mike, if you're in the Browns front office today, what are your emotions like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, candidly, really mixed. Like, you know this day is coming from a standpoint of when you make a trade like this, you're certainly going to expect a ruling like this. And I think you're probably looking for closure. Um, and, again, I think you have to be reminded that there's, you know, 24 women out there that are alleging some really significant, you know, misconduct by Deshaun Watson. So um, you're thinking about, you know, those women, and then you're thinking about how it's going to impact uh, your football team. Mike, how do you separate that? Uh, when you're thinking about your football team and how it's going to impact it on the field um, from what he now has to do to kind of reestablish himself, a, a process that is not going to happen overnight. That's right. And with that said, our, our league is filled with stories of players that have improved and learned both on and off the field. Most notably, someone like Michael Vick had a major transformation um, and countless players have, you know, rebounded from other sort of, uh, you know, issues that may have had. So what I would tell Deshaun is you have to learn from this. You have to make a meaningful contribution to uh, society and, and our community here. And uh, you have to put one good day on top of the next and, uh, you know, go from there. But it certainly won't happen overnight. Mike, you've lived in some of these conversations through the years with the NFL, the NFLPA. How upset do you feel like the NFLPA is going to be if the NFL decides to appeal here in the next couple of days? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's very complicated. Part of the collective bar agreement is that this was going to go to a third party like Judge Robinson. Um, and I'm sure the league, if they had their, had their druthers, the first you know case in this new system wouldn't be something as um, you know, high profile as what's obviously going on with this case. So um, the league has the right to appeal. You know, they bargained for it, and they have that right. Um, what they will do, it's going to be really, really interesting, really hard to say. Um, if you asked me this morning, I didn't think they would appeal. You know, my gut now is maybe they will. Um, so this is um, a story that is far from over. Again, both sides, each side has three days to appeal. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider with us. All right, so Mike, how do the Browns go about 
getting him ready uh, for when he can play. He can practice, I believe, a couple of weeks leading up to when he can return. But how do you handle the preseason here with Deshaun Watson and and how much Jacoby Brissett has to now play to get ready for the season? Yeah, that's a very unique situation. It's actually there's four quarterbacks that you have to get ready because you know Deshaun Watson hasn't played in uh, you know since the end of the 2020 season, so he needs some reps. And then when you factor on top of that, either Josh Dobbs or Josh Rosen is one hit away from playing you know very meaningful snaps for the Browns. You have to get them ready as well, and then you need your starter, Jacoby Reset, who's going to be your starter for a third of the season. You got him reps, so um, it's very unusual that, that you can make an argument that all four quarterbacks, you know, need meaningful reps um, in the coming weeks. Mike, if we find out that Jimmy Garoppolo gets cut here at some point in the near future, if you're the Browns, do you still go after him, knowing what you know now about Deshaun Watson's suspension? Yeah, I think you got to consider uh, really like all options because, again, now we'll know more by Thursday, right, because we'll have a sense of where things stand from a totality of all the information. But, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, look, there could be other situations where maybe there's a quarterback that becomes available. You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, Sam Darnold. Who, who knows? But the point is um, there could be other quarterbacks available, and I think you gotta, if you're the Browns, you have a good football team, I think you've got to consider all options. Mike Tannenbaum joining us, ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, last one from me. Um, just strictly your opinion. Do you now look at this, at what the league has said in their statement, at what happened today, and think that this is over? Or do you think the league will pursue this a little bit further? Yeah, my sense, I think the league will pursue it a little bit further just because they have the right to do so. Like, they're just exercising the right they have. And, you know, you know, I just get the sense that they're not going to be happy that it was six games. And, you know, there's parts of the judge's decision that you could read to say that she believes there was a violation of the, you know, personal conduct policy. And um, we'll see. You know, I, if you had asked me this morning, Chris, I probably would have said no, but I, I just kind of feel the worm may be turning. I don't know that. It's a, it's a guess and, uh, you know, more to come between now and Thursday. But it's, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate, it's a very unfortunate story and one in which, um, we certainly don't have closure yet. Mike, we appreciate the insight. Thanks very much. Thank you. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN, NFL front office and center. I think a lot of us feel that way, that we're kind of going back and forth on trying to read the tea leaves here as to what the league is going to do, and it feels like an impossible read. I am leaning more now, even though I walked in here an hour and a half ago, I, I, I would say I'm leaning more now that they will pursue it any further because or further because – even though the story does continue, I don't know that there is as much to gain from just letting it go as there is even publicly from pursuing it further and from uh, appealing the decision at this point. Chris, after all the years the NFL in recent times has missed the mark and, and people have said, oh, the NFL, they're not serious about any of this stuff. It does make sense in that regard to do what you can to hope the suspension uh, adds a few more games on because they really have a PR problem. They tried to fix it and how they set up this whole thing, and it's not now. Up next, what does the head coach of the Browns think? We hear from Kevin Stefanski in just moments. Canty and Carlin. 
Trade starting to heat up in baseball with the deadline tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yankees today uh, got Frankie Montas, the pitcher from the Oakland A's, in exchange for three minor leaguers, uh, none of which are their top two prospects. And then you've got uh, Trey Mancini within the last few minutes got traded from the Orioles to the uh, Houston Astros. And Josh Hader, the closer for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers got traded away uh, as well. Uh, where did Hader end up? Hader ended up going San Diego. Where? San Diego. Thank you. Um, so the Padres get even stronger. And then we wait and see if uh, we see Juan Soto get traded away here uh, in the next 24 hours. I, you know, just on a couple of fronts. First of all, I feel good for Mancini. I kind of wonder if he wanted to go, if he wanted to go win somewhere else. And I would have th- thought that that would have been a conversation that the Orioles would have had with him. But then, you know, he's now going and, and joining a team uh, in the Astros that have a great opportunity to go and win this year. And it always feels in the last couple of years, Chris, that they'll be right there. But I... Even as we go through this, and I think the Hater edition in San Diego is going to be really, really good for a team that feels like it can make a push. I miss the days when the baseball trade deadline was at the forefront of so many people's minds yeah. everywhere. And even going through these deals, and maybe if Soto gets moved, that will shift the alignment a little bit, but it just doesn't feel like... Those days are coming back anytime soon because people are like, all right, Trey Mancini and Josh Hader, your diehard baseball fans care, but the general sports fan, it's not the same anymore. Yeah, Yankees needed a starter, and they got Montez. Soto, though, I'm fascinated by. Yeah? Because when you really go and and kind of dig in, I know people have uh, really tried to make a, a case for how good of a player he is for the people that haven't seen him enough, for the average fan that you're talking about. Mm It's ridiculous. And there's there's one stat that I, I've given before, but it bears repeating. There's one guy in all of baseball. There's 224 players in the game right now who have over 1,500 plate appearances. There is one guy with more career walks and strikeouts, and that's Juan Soto. And that tells you everything you need to know about his plate discipline. discipline. He's got incredible power. If he gets moved with two and a half years left on his deal, boy, I mean— it's going to cost a fortune, and some team is going to get an absolute superstar. But it's worth it if you're willing to spend that money. He is the game-changing talent that can set you up for the next decade plus and help you win titles. Yeah, and listen, and and even so, you know, he's not a free agent for two and a half years, but he's going to make big money in between now and then. But the value still outweighs the negatives. And Carlin. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Mr. Canty will join us in 10 minutes, get his take on what happened with Deshaun Watson, who, in case you are just joining us and haven't heard the news of the day, he has been suspended six games, according to Sue Robinson, the judge who was overseeing the case uh, between the NFL, who was pushing for a harsher suspension, and Deshaun Watson. The NFL now has 72 hours, three days, to decide if they will appeal the decision. That appeal would go to, fittingly enough, Roger Goodell, or somebody that he uh, designates to make the decision. So we haven't heard from any of the particulars yet, but... That stops now because we get to hear from Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, who had a press conference just moments ago. And 
Let's hear a little bit from him. First of all, are the Browns confident that he can make good decisions on and off the field? I'm confident that Deshaun will make good decisions on and off the field. Obviously, the on-field decisions, he works very hard at that um, with the playbook and meetings and being on the practice field. And then off the field, Deshaun's no different than the other 90 guys right now and the 53 guys eventually that we expect them to be great uh, citizens in the community. Well, I mean, he is a little bit different the way things have gone. He's also different because you're giving him the most guaranteed money in the history of the sport. So I, I that is a coach speak Hall of Fame answer right there. It absolutely oh. is. Here's a little more Stefanski on what they expect. I believe Deshaun has told you guys in a press conference, he's told uh, me privately, uh, he wants to be the best version of himself. I believe that wholeheartedly. He's working on that. Um, and I'll let Deshaun at some point uh, speak for himself. Okay. Can we just take a step back for a second? Because, Nick, you care, you cover the NBA every day. And it's, it strikes me that we have to hear this more over the last several years. When you have coaches or guys who have to be out in front of the microphone who really just have to bite their lip and and... and just have to check. I don't want to say check your morals at the door, but but check your opinions at the door as to what's going on. That's got to be impossible because you have a constant need to protect the player in every way. And I do believe that's part of it. You know, I don't want to sound like get off my lawn, but a new generation mentality of like, no, the coach's job is to protect the player no matter what happened at every turn. And like that to me, just like, I wonder what Kevin Stefanski is really saying in his mind when he has to come out and say that. Chris, I mean this sincerely after all these years covering the NBA, but watching how this is unfolding publicly time and again in these situations, I think it's almost a prerequisite for coaches to almost take an acting class. Yeah. Because you have to be able... You're following Steve Nash all the time. Constantly. constantly. <laughs> he should win an Oscar at this point. <laughs> the, the best coaches are all prepped by their PR staffs, no matter the sport, but they come across as being believable in what they're trying to say. And the point that they're trying to sell to the media and more broadly the general public. And so many of these coaches, you just feel like they're re- reading back lines. It doesn't feel Ugh. real, and it gets frustrating as a fan, not only as a journalist, but as a fan, you're going, that's not what you really think. And there is such a, a tight balance to walk across and a, a fine line, but we heard it from Stefanski there. It, it felt like his PR person had just come to him and said, okay, this is what we want to hit. It's almost this like a director in the movie. Exactly. This is what we're going to hear. And the director's standing right behind him, nodding the whole time, going, yep, right on brand. Way to get the messaging out there. All right, quick one here. The statement from Jimmy and D. Haslam. Throughout this process, Deshaun and his representatives have abided by the newly created and agreed upon process for the NFLPA and the NFL to defer to the objective Judge Shuel Robinson to comp- comprehensively review all information, make it blah, blah, blah. We respect Judge Robinson's decision and at the same time empathize and understand that there have been many individuals triggered 
throughout the process. We know Deshaun is remorseful that the situation has caused much heartache to many, and he will continue to work the work needed to show who he is on and off the field, and we will continue to support him. Many individuals triggered. Interesting wording for a PR statement. Wow. That, that would be unexpected. Yeah. Chris Canty and Chris Carlin are Canty and Carlin. Don't miss them weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.